0: I want you to look in Proverbs chapter 3. Now, this is not going to seem like a missions message, but it's what God gave me. And, I, and, 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 it, and it, there's so much truth to it and so much help. I truly believe if you will really listen and apply this to your life, it is going to change your life. We see the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. Say that with me. It's a book of, it's a book of wisdom. The wisest man ever to live. The wisest man ever to live wrote the Proverbs. We know his name is Solomon. God gave him not just, he wasn't just smart and had a high IQ. He had a supernatural wisdom. There was a time when, when, when he was uh, worshiping God and he was sacrificing and giving God incredible offerings. And, and God was so honored and thrilled with his worship that he said, Solomon, ask me anything you want. Ask me anything you want and I'll give it to you. And man, Solomon, in his humility, he said, he said, just give me wisdom to know how to lead your people. And oh, God was thrilled with that. He said, you didn't ask for fame and you didn't ask for fortune because of your request. I'm going to give you what you didn't even ask for. And I'm going to give you that wisdom. And he gave Solomon a supernatural wisdom. It was so incredible that people came from far and wide just to hear him speak and listen to the wisdom that he had. He wrote this book to give us wisdom, to give us knowledge, and to help us to live. There are very smart people that read a proverb every single day. And I would encourage you to do the same thing. Wisdom is so important. You say, what's the difference between wisdom and knowledge? There's some people with a bunch of knowledge, but they don't have no wisdom. Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. Say that with me. Wisdom is the, the right use of And proverbs is so full. It's dripping over, running, overflowing with wisdom. And I want to I share three practices this morning. Three things in your life, if you will practice, there are promises that go along with this. Solomon, the wisest man ever to live, is saying, if you will practice this in your life, God will promise this. So we must practice and he will promise. If that makes sense, say amen. Amen. Let's look in uh, Proverbs chapter three in verse number five. Proverbs chapter three in verse number five. If you're there, say amen. amen. What's that first word? Trust. 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 Sometimes that's difficult for people, especially if your trust has been broken. But ladies and gentlemen, I promise you, you can trust the Lord. You can trust him. The Bible says in verse five, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he shall what? Direct Direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, but... Fear the Lord. So we have trust in the Lord and now we have fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. What does it say in verse nine? Honor Honor the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Fear the Lord. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out. With new wine, let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord, for the opportunity to be in your house today. Lord, I pray that you'll forgive every single person in this room who have failed you this week. I pray that you'll remove everything that would dishonor you and and hinder you from moving in this service. God, we need the Holy Spirit desperately to speak to us and help us and encourage us today. I pray that you'll forgive us of all of our sin, forgive us of all of our our failures, our disobedient acts, our wrong thoughts, our wrong behaviors. Cleanse us now. Purge us, Lord, I pray. Clear everything out of the way and then, Lord, speak to us and help us, inform us, encourage us. Lord, I pray that you'll teach us today and let us go out and apply it to our lives Lord, don't let me say anything today that I shouldn't and don't let me forget anything I should. I pray that more than anything that you will get glory from this message. I pray that you'll get glory from our offering. I pray that you'll get glory from our service unto you. And God will thank you and praise you and give you glory and honor for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, amen. Number one, number one, here is a few practices. You'll see A and B under each one. We see the practice, and then we'll see the promise. We'll we'll talk about what we are to practice and apply in our life. How many of y'all know that this Bible don't work unless you work it? We learned Wednesday night that this is not a good luck charm. You can sleep every night with it under your pillow, and it's not doing anything for you but putting a lump in your neck. It only works if you work it. It only works if you will do what it says and apply what it is teaching. Be not a hearer of the word, but a a doer also, amen? Now, watch this, number one. Number one, in verse number five, we find the first practice is trust the Lord. Say that with me. Everybody say it. Trust the Lord. Now, that seems real simple. And say, well, I do trust the Lord. Well, let's see, let's see. Let's see if we trust the Lord. The word trust, the word trust in the, 1828 dictionary says confidence, reliance. Watch this now. Resting of the mind on the integrity of another. What does that mean to trust the Lord? You're resting your mind that he will do what he said he will do on on God's integrity. You're trusting in God's ability. You're trusting in God's wisdom and God's knowledge. You're trusting in God's heart and love For you, church, say amen. Listen, what does it mean to trust him? Here's our practice. Look what it says. Trust in the Lord, read it with me, with. Everybody say it, you ready? With. Hey, write this down, number one. Number one, trust what he says, not how we feel. Trust what he says and not how we feel. You know, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Heart Heart is where you get your feelings from. Heart is the seat of your emotions. How many of y'all know people say, oh, just trust your heart. No, don't do that. Don't ever trust your heart. Why? Because Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitful. The heart is deceitful, desperately wicked. Who can know it? What is he saying? He's saying, we don't ever know what the heart's going to do. The heart will make you love the wrong people. Now, I know we're supposed to love everybody, but I'm talking about you're attracted to the wrong guy or the wrong gal. Your heart will trick you. The word deceitful here in 1828 Webster's Dictionary is is a tendency to mislead. Think about that. Your heart has a tendency to mislead you. When things come in your life, when things come by your way, your heart is going to have a tendency to lead you in the wrong direction. Your feelings are not facts. You don't trust your feelings. You don't trust in what you think about it. You don't trust in how you feel about it. You trust in what he said about it. When God says, I'll supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Don't look at the economy. Don't look at the news and don't look at your bank account and lose your mind. Trust that he will do what he said he will do. I don't care how you feel. Your feelings are irrelevant. Irrelevant. Your feelings will change with the weather, but his facts are facts. His truth is true. Trust what he said, not how you feel. Man, there's been times in my life I didn't even feel like a Christian, much less a preacher. I didn't feel like I was saved. I didn't feel like I was secure. I didn't feel like I was on my way to heaven, but it's not based on how I feel. It's based on what he said. Say amen. Doesn't matter what I feel. It doesn't matter what people say. It's what he said. When you trust in the Lord with all your heart, you're not leaning on what you feel. You're leaning on what he said. Now, some of y'all, if you will just get that, you'll have revival in your life. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Let's do a survey just so everybody knows you're not the only one struggling. With. How many of y'all struggle with your feelings sometimes? How many of y'all be honest? Sometimes you don't even feel saved. See, but you can't, you can't trust your feelings because your feelings come from your heart and your heart has a tendency to mislead you. Amen. Amen. So, so when you trust with all your heart, you don't trust what you feel. You trust what he said. You trust what he said. Now watch this. Secondly, secondly, <clears throat> it's not only trusting what he says and not how we feel, but don't rely. There's a key word underlying that. Don't rely on what you think you know or comprehend. Don't rely on what you think you know or comprehend. Where do you get that? It says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean, lean means to rely. It means to rely on, you're putting confidence. Now here's the problem. Most of you guys here, especially if you're very analytical or very logical thinking type person, you're gonna rely on what you understand or what makes sense to you. Now the only problem with that is, is you're, you're not thinking correctly. Does the Bible not say that God's ways are not our ways? And his thoughts are not our thoughts? Now, I don't know about you, but if, if, if I was God, I would have sent the biggest guy in, in the army to go face Goliath. But God didn't think that way. He took a little shepherd boy and went out and whipped the snot out of that giant. Say amen. God doesn't do like we do. God doesn't think like we think. God doesn't operate like we operate. And if we try to go by our feelings or go by what makes sense to us, we'll never accomplish anything for God. It didn't make sense to me that God would pick somebody who is shy as can be and gets nervous around people and doesn't want anybody to sit with him on the bus. Sure don't want nobody to sit with him on the plane. Say amen. Amen. But he wants me to preach and stand in front of thousands of people and tell them that Jesus loves. That's not logical to me. That doesn't even make sense. It would have been a better choice to pick my brother. (laughs) But you know what? I'm not, I I can't depend on what makes sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me in order to get, I got to give. It it doesn't make sense to me in order to live, I got to die. It doesn't make sense. Are y'all with me? Lean not on your own understanding. Well, preacher, I don't understand what God is doing. Don't lean on what you can figure out. Don't lean on what makes sense to you. Because if you do, you'll never accomplish anything for God. And all God's people say it. Watch this. Watch this. What are we practicing? Trusting the Lord. How do we do that? We trust what he says, not how we feel. Number two. Don't rely on what you think you or comprehend. Watch this. Number three, look to him in every area of life. How many areas? Every area. Where do we find that? Verse six in. Okay. Come on. In all thy ways. Acknowledge him. Now the word acknowledge there just means to look to. It means to look to. When you go to make a big purchase, say, what do you think, Lord? When you go to choose a mate, what, what do you think, Lord? It don't matter if she has big hair and smells good. <laughs> yeah, I'm from the big hair generation. More Aquanet, the better for me, amen. <laughs> they making fun of it on Facebook all they want to, but I think they look hot, say, so man. <laughs> the poofier, the better, Hey. But guess what? She may be gorgeous, but she may not be for you. And here's a great here's a great thing. How about listening to what the Bible says? I don't care how much money she's got or he's got. I don't care how gorgeous he is, ladies. I don't care if he's got them tight bridges on it. don't matter if he's not saved. The Bible says, "Be not unequally yoked together. I can't tell you how many ladies I've encouraged said, please, please don't go this route. Oh, but preacher, I'll change him. I'll change him. I'll change How many of y'all ladies have been married a while figured out that don't work? Y'all with me? You look to him. What do you think, Lord? Oh, I'm going to take this new job because it's two more dollars an hour, but it'll keep you out of church and it'll destroy your family and your home. Let me ask you a question. How was that $2? You know why? Because we didn't look to the Lord. I'm telling you this by experience. I'm not getting on to nobody. When I was in Bible college, I had a, I had a great job. It, it, I mean, it, it, it gave me the time off I needed for Bible college. It, it, it did it supplied our needs and all. And, and then we had a guy that came to me and said, hey, I, and it was just like, a, like just a little bit more an hour. But man, that, that was like, yeah, more money. And it caused more grief than anything. You know why? I never prayed about it. I never acknowledge God in all of my ways and because of that, it gave me grief like I can't even explain to you. Preacher, what are you saying? Are you acknowledging God in all your ways? Are you looking to him when you make decisions for your family? Are you looking to him when you make choices in your life? Are you looking to him when you have issues and problems or are you looking to try to find advice from the barbershop or the beauty salon? Let me tell you, that's a mistake. a mistake. Are you acknowledging him? Are you looking to him? The Bible says in all, how many? In all all thy ways, look to him, ask him. There is nothing too small for you to include the Lord in your life. Do you realize he wants to be in every area of your life? He wants to be in every aspect of your life. He doesn't want to see you on Sunday and you wave and don't spend no time with him till next Sunday. Do you know what, and this is really, I I need to say this. When they would set up the camp, the nation of Israel would set up the tabernacle. This is where God lived. This is where God resided on earth with his people. And then he had the, the Israelites in camp all the way around them, all the way around, all the 12 tribes. They camped all the way around and right in the center. Right in the, was God. You know why he did that? Every single time they picked up and set up and put down camp, he was the center of their life. You know what? The wisest man ever to live is telling you, you, he needs to be the center of your life. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, not your feelings, not what you can understand, but in all thy ways acknowledge him. Now watch, here's the promise. Here's the promise. And he shall direct, direct thy paths. How many, how many of y'all in here would like every decision you make to be the right one? How many in here have not had a good track record? <laughs> Let me change that a little bit. How many of y'all have made some poor decisions in your life? I love it when when somebody comes and it's a train wreck, I mean, it's literally a train wreck, like, like a Chernobyl situation in life. And they say, I've made a a small mistake. (laughs) Really? (laughs) It don't look very small to me, (laughs) but you know what? We can avoid those. You know what I can do? Every single time I can trace back a bad decision to not talking to Jesus first. I can prove this. I'm spending way too much time on the first point, but some of us need this. If you go look at the book of Joshua, if you go look at the book of Joshua, there were times when Joshua got clear directions from God and God was specific about everything, how to cross the Jordan river, how to defeat Jericho. Are y'all with me? I mean, in every single time he did exactly the way God told him to do it. They won Convincingly, but then every time he chose to go off on his own without consulting the Lord, you remember right after Jericho we had the city of Ai. Some call it AI, but it's pronounced I. And he got all the counsel in the world for Jericho was a massive victory, a little old ringy dink, nothing city, and he said, "I don't need the Lord on this one. I got this," and got defeated. Preacher, what are you saying? You need him to direct your paths. The Bible says the steps of a good man are what? Ordered by the the Lord. How many of y'all want to be a good person? Then let's let God direct our paths. So here's our practice. Trust in him. Say it with me. Number one, trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord in your life and he will guide you. He will direct you. He will lead you not into temptation. He will deliver you from evil. And all God's people say it. So the first step is trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Look at the next one. Verse seven. Verse seven. Be not wise in thine own eyes, but what? So don't, don't just trust him, but you need to fear him. You need to fear the Lord. Number one, trust the Lord. Number two, fear the Lord. You say, oh, but preacher, this is Old Testament. Let me give you a New Testament verse, Philippians 2, 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, if you want to know the Greek definition of trembling, it means trembling. Some of y'all want to get real deep and think it means something else. No, it don't. It means trembling. That's how we should respond to God. Fear and trembling. Fear is reverence. It's awe. It's to revere. It's to frighten. Now watch this. Here's, here's the practice. Here's the practice. Look what it says in verse seven. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Now, what does that mean? It means number one, remember who you are. What does it mean to be wise in your own eyes? It means you think you got it all together. How many y'all? How many (laughs) y'all? How many y'all parents in here have have a teenager or had teenagers? That's what that means. You know that time when they wake up that day and they change who they are, they're, they're just a totally different person. They go to bed, sweet, kind, nice, and, and needing you, and then they wake up, think they know everything. Do I have a witness? Well, son, you need, I know. No, you don't know. Or you would have did it right the first time. Well, guess what? There are so many Christians that treat God like a teenager treats their parents. He says, don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't think you have it all together. Don't think you can do this without me. Don't think you can live your life without me in your life and be a success. Amen. I just got, I just got word in my office today. I just got word in my office today. Somebody come and say, hey, I need you to pray for such and such family. They used to go here faithfully without a doubt. Now they're kind of out of church and they are a train wreck. You know why? Because they had, they were wise in their own eyes. They decided that they didn't need God. They didn't need the church. They didn't need all of this. They knew what they were doing. They got the tiger by the tail. They got everything under control. We don't need all of that. And guess where it led them? To the next counseling appointment. Preacher, what are you saying? Don't think you have it all together. You need to recognize who you are. We're made out of dirt, people. God compares us to sheep. Sheep. Now, I don't want to offend nobody. I don't want to offend nobody. But if you know anything about sheep, sheep are dumb. Sheep do stupid things. Sheep don't know how to take care of themselves. Sheep will get in trouble. Sheep will get messed up. Sheep are in desperate need of a shepherd. That's why the the psalmist said, the Lord is my shepherd. And when you think you don't need a shepherd, when you don't think that you need God in your life, you say, oh, but preacher, I know I, I need God in my life. Well, how much have you been praying? Because the, the, the amount of your prayers determines how much you think you need God. If you're not praying, you know what you're saying? I'm good. And the Bible says we don't need, we need to remember who we are. We need to remember who we are. Secondly, secondly, we need to recognize who he is. We need to recognize who he is. He says, don't be wise in your own eyes. Remember, you need God. Remember, you are desperate without him. Remember, listen, without him, we are nothing. But then we need to recognize God. It says, fear the Lord. We need to recognize him. We need to recognize that he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. We need to recognize that he's the one that's keeping this earth spinning at just the right speed. And we need to recognize that he's the one that's keeping the sun just the the right amount of distance from the earth, that we don't freeze to death and we don't burn up. We need to recognize that every breath of air we breathe comes from his hand. We need to recognize, we need to recognize that we have another day of life because he chose to give it to us. We need to recognize that we are not in control of this world. We are not sovereign. We are not, uh, listen, our own master. We are not self-made people. Whatever we are, God allowed it to be. We need God. Listen, it says, remember who we are. We're nothing but dust. You know, the Simon said it this way. He said, man, when I consider the works of thy hands, talking to God. When I consider the works of thy hands, the moon, the stars, the planet. In other words, God, when I think about God's great creation, this is what he says. What is man that thou art mindful of him? How many of y'all have ever flown in a plane? Big old jet plane. How many of y'all looked at the ground? I don't recommend that. <laughs> we fly anywhere. I get the inside seat. Dustin gets, he gets the window. Amen. I don't want to look down there. You ever notice how small people look? Now imagine what they look like from heaven. How so small we are to God. We better remember. The fear of the Lord is so important. Now watch this. We need to remember who we are. Secondly, we need to recognize who he is. And then what is number three? We need to uh, respond accordingly. Respond accordingly. What does he say? He says, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and, what's it say? Depart Depart from evil. Do you want me to tell you what you'll do when you fear God? You'll depart from evil. When I was growing up as a kid... I, I used to have people to try to get me to do stuff I know I'm not supposed to do. And I said, no, nah, I don't believe I'm going to do that. They said, why are you scared? I said, not of that. But I am scared of what he will do if he finds out. Oh, you're just, I said, no, nah, you ain't got no daddy like mine. Because if you had a daddy like mine, you wouldn't do it either. And you sure enough wouldn't try to get somebody else to do it. Because he beat the devil out of you. Twice. He killed me one time and told me to walk it off. How many of y'all have one of them parents that beat you half to death and you cry and then he say, dry it up or I'm going to give you something to cry about. Well, what in God's name was that last 20 minute whooping if that wasn't something to cry about? We got got too many time out Christians. We need some more butt whooping Christians. Because you done forgot who your father is. We've got Christians that's living lives that's not even close to biblical and not even bothered by it. You've forgotten who your father is. Let let me me, me show you what the fear of the Lord means. Look Look in your notes. What is the fear of the Lord? It's the continual awareness that I am in the presence of a holy, just, and almighty God and that every thought, word, action, deed is open before him and being judged by him. Be assured that God is paying attention to the way we're living. Listen, Proverbs 521. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. What does that mean? God is watching you when nobody sees you. Before we'd go out almost every morning, my mama would tell me and my little brother, God's watching you. She'd always say, There's an eye in the sky. Man, when you're little, that, that's kind of creepy. You go outside looking. But you know what? There's an eye watching you. You know what has always bothered me? When I've seen people, now they're putting stickers on their vehicles. Only God can judge me. You do realize He's going to. That should scare you to death. But you know what I'm afraid? We've had so much false teaching and preaching. And halfway, God is love, God is mercy, God is, God is forgiving. God, now, God's all of that, but he's also just and righteous. It, it, the Bible says, the Bible says, not my opinion, the Bible says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Do you fear him? The wisest man ever to live said, you better fear your Lord. Because if you fear him, it will affect how you live. If people are living with repetitive sin in their life, it just tells me they don't fear the Lord. They don't understand their daddy like I did. Are y'all with me? Oh, but God, he saves me. Listen, salvation is not just a ticket to heaven. That means you're put into a family. You belong and you have a father now. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, now everybody listen to this. Everybody listen to this. Especially, uh, you know, we have, we have different denominations and, 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 and charismatic groups that say, oh, you Baptists, y'all believe in once saved, always saved. We sure do. That's right. yeah. We sure do. Well, you just believe you can do anything and it's okay. No, we don't. No, we believe the Bible says that whom he loveth, he chasteneth. And if you're without chastening, you're a bastard and not a son. That means you're illegitimate. If you claim to be saved and you can live in repetitive sin and God not beat your britches off, you don't belong to him. But we believe in chastening. We believe in discipline. God will discipline his people. God will get your attention. The Bible even speaks about a sin unto death. I believe with all of my heart that there are people, Christians who have stepped out early because they wouldn't get right and God took them home. You better fear the Lord. He is real and he is watching and he knows fear the Lord. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Don't think you have it all together. Don't think you know everything. You better fear him. And here's the promise. Here's the promise. Look what he says if we'll fear him. It. What? What is the it? The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord will be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. You see, your navel is where the source of supply came in. Everything that a baby gets, everything the baby gets comes through the navel. It doesn't get anything through the nose, anything through the mouth, all its nutrients, all its oxygen, everything it needed to survive and live came through that navel. And you know what God is saying? If you'll fear the Lord, you'll get all the supply you need. Think about that. Then he says marrow to the bones. I always wondered about that. Marrow to the bones. Do you realize marrow is what gives your bones the strength not to be brittle and just break easily? So he's saying this, the fear of the Lord will not only give you a source of supply, it'll give you a source of strength. Now how many of y'all know we're living in days today where we need strength? It begins with the fear of the Lord. Listen, all the blessings a person hopes to find flow through the fear of the Lord. To overcome sinful habits, Proverbs sixteen six. To begin learning knowledge, Proverbs 1, 7. To start being wise, Proverbs nine ten. To have a longer life, Proverbs ten twenty seven. To learn contentment, Proverbs fifteen sixteen. To get riches, honor and life, Proverbs twenty two, forty four, to experience true worship, Psalms five seven, to experience God's salvation, Psalm eighty five nine, to receive daily provision, Psalms one hundred and eleven, verse five. To have a satisfying life, Proverbs nineteen twenty three. To experience God's goodness, Psalm thirty one nineteen. To be delivered from trouble, Psalm thirty four seven. To bring delight to the Lord, Psalm one forty seven eleven. And there were many more, but that's all I put on your paper. Preacher, what are you saying? Everything you're looking for in life begins with the fear of the Lord. We better remember who we are. We're but dust of the earth. We better recognize that he is God. He's the creator. He's the potter. We're the clay. Are y'all with me? Say amen. He has the very air that we breathe in the palm of his hands and he can take it anytime he chooses. We better fear the Lord. Number one, verse five says what? Number one, trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. Verse number seven, point number two says we need to. Fear. We need to fear the Lord. Number nine, verse nine, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. We not only need to trust the Lord, we need to fear the Lord, but then we need to honor the Lord. We need to honor the Lord. Honor is the same word that we have, we use glory. It means a heavy weight of splendor. When you honor the Lord, 1828 Webster's Dictionary, honor means the esteem due or paid to worth a high estimation. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this your worship is basically. If we could change that word up a little bit, instead of saying worship, we can say worth, W O R T H. Worthship. When you sing and you honor him in song and praise, you are you are showing your estimation of him to you. What he is worth to you. And you know what it's saying here? That giving is worship. Honor the Lord with thy substance, that's your capital, that's what you have, that's what's in the barn. And with the first fruits of all thine increase, that's the revenue, that's what's going to come in. What that means is, our giving is worship. Say it with me, our... And just like our praise and our adoration to him when we sing, we're letting, we're wanting the whole world to know what he means to us and how we feel about him and how we estimate him in our life. Our praises reveal what he means to us. So does our giving. Amen. Our giving reflects our estimation of him. Right. Our giving reflects what he means to us. And the Bible says to honor him. Honor him. Now, I want to ask you a question. This is a serious, serious question. Is your giving this year reflected what he means to you? Have you honored him with your giving? Have you honored him with your offerings? Have, is it? Listen, has it brought glory and honor to him? Have you honored him or have you tipped him? When somebody, when you have a, a, a waiter or a waitress, they come to your table and they just work so hard. And they're, man, your, your, your glass never gets empty. And they're, they're snatching dirty stuff away and bringing it and helping. And you know what you do? You honor them. You're letting them know you appreciate. You, you give a great and generous. Listen, and you're saying, hey, I appreciate this. This is, this is great. You honor them. You know, it's 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 a shame that many Christians honor their waitress more than they do their Savior. I want to ask you a question. What you've decided to give with these, with these churches, to plant these churches, will it honor God or will it offend him? I'll never forget this. I'll never forget this as long as I live. I was at Brother McCormick's when Preacher McCormick was still pastoring at, at Harvest Baptist down in Florida. And, 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 and I just, we, was just traveling through and he said, Hey, won't you preach for me today? I said, okay. So, so I preached that day and, 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 and listen, you don't ever expect anything period, but you really don't expect something when you just stop by, you know, when you're booked and they invite you to come, that's one thing to you know, cover your traveling expenses and all. And, 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 but when you just stop by, you know. I hate to use the word, but it's a freebie. I mean, I mean, it just, you, and, and, and you, you, you say it anyway, because you try to be humble and you try your best. And, and Brother McCormick, after the service, he came up with an envelope. I said, no, sir. I said, that, that, listen, that's not, he, he said, he said, son, you won't be offended a bit. <laughs> you know what he was saying? This offering is so small. You don't even have to try to be Humble. And I wonder, I wonder how many times God is offended. And it's not by what we give, it's by what we keep. Because everybody can't give the same. Everybody doesn't have the same revenue. Everybody doesn't have the same means of increase. Everybody doesn't have it. But it's not what we give, it's what we keep. And I want to ask you, what you've kept this year, will it be an honor to God or will it be an offense? I want you to think about that. Because see, here's the problem. Our worship, our praise, our giving, it's all combined in worship and how we feel about our God, how we feel about our Savior. And here's the thing. If you're giving and you're worship, you're praise and you're singing in adoration to him, if when you come in here, you're thinking about everything else but God, you're thinking about what you're gonna get for lunch today, you're gonna think about your schedule this week and your focus is not on him, guess what? It's a heart problem. Because the Bible says, where a man's treasure is, there will his. I want to ask you a question. Does he have your heart? Are you honoring him? Are you worshiping him? Listen, is your giving? Is it worship? It says this: Honor the Lord. Say it with me. Honor the Lord. Come on, everybody. With thy substance. Worship is giving. Honor means worship. Worship through giving. We're talking about practice. We're talking about practice. We worship through giving. And then, secondly, we make giving a priority. We make giving a priority. What's the Bible say? It says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the, what's that next word? First fruits. That means he comes first. Giving is a priority. Our offerings, our worship and giving is a priority. Matthew six thirty three says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Is he first in your life, ladies and gentlemen? If he's not first in your finances, he's not first in anything else. Seek him first, make him a priority. And here's the promise. I love the promise. The practice makes everybody squirm and, you know, get uncomfortable, but watch, watch what the promise is. If you will put God first in your giving, if you will put God first and honor him and worship him in your substance, verse 10, let's all read it. Let's all read it. Verse 10. You ready? So shall thy barns be with plenty and thy. Now, now this is agricultural talk. But basically, here is the promise. We will have more than enough. Say it with me. We will have. More than enough. Say it again. We will have. More than Malachi 3.10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house. Prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing and there shall not be room enough to receive it. Yeah. Luke six thirty eight, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, press down, shaking it. How many of y'all have ever picked peas? How many of y'all know when you get them peas to the top, you ain't done. What do you got to do? You got to shake it, and then what? See this, we can invent a new dance. We just need some music, brother Melvin, to go with that. You would, amen. Shaken down, pressed down, and what? Running over, running over. Hallelujah. Look, look, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also how? And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth thee. Now, I've heard preachers say, if you can't give, cheerful, don't give. I don't have that philosophy. I say give and God will fix your attitude later. Church, say amen. Look what it says, Philippians four nineteen. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Galatians 6, 6. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teaches in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You know what? Many people use that for sin. And it's true. You can apply it. If you sow sin, you're going to reap it. But this context of this verse means giving. He's talking about generosity and giving to the work of God. And you know what it means? Look, everybody, look, you're starting to shut shut down. Look at me. Look at me. You know what it means when he says God will not be mocked? It means God will not be bad mouthed by anybody. God is not going to be in debt to anybody. Nobody will be able to say, I gave this, but I didn't get. No, 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 no. When you give to God, you're going to get back much more than you ever gave to Him. God, you'll never outgive God. And all God's people say it.